This is a story about power. Electric power. It's a story about connectivity. About coming together around a shared vision, a dream. It's, it's connecting uh, people who can't pay for the internet with the internet uh, for the first time. It's, um, it's providing power to people who've not had a light bulb to turn on before. Hydrobox is bringing people together to make power reliable and affordable by using flowing rivers. At the heart of the business is a partnership between John McGiro and Thomas Pullmans. It's the energy of people coming together to make something bigger uh, than themselves. This is Eric Hirschman. Eric grew up in Kenya, then moved to the States and became a successful entrepreneur in the tech business. But he came back. Yeah, so I mean, I think, you know, I could have stayed in the States and had a plain vanilla life and been happy with a lot of more money and things like that, sure. But, you know, at the end of the day, I think for, for me, and it's not for everybody, is that, you know, if you're, you have one life to live, you might as well do something that makes a little bit of a dent in the world. It is also a story about community, about innovation. Yeah, like the, the, the innovation that's happening here in building businesses can be much more impactful and larger in scale across society. Whereas many of the problems that are being solved in, in the rest of the more developed world are incremental. And they're not that, it's not that they're not valuable, they're just they're different and aren't maybe as important for your everyday life. My name is Raf Stevens. I travel to Kenya to capture the remarkable story of Hydrobox. We bring it all together in this podcast series called Tukopa Moja, meaning we are together. In this episode, we talk with Eric Hirschman. You will also hear Thomas Pullmans, the CEO of Hydrobox. What Eric and Hydrobox share is their eagerness to help society to move forward and to link business with positive social impact. Eric is the CEO of Brick, which creates rugged wireless Wi-Fi devices designed and engineered in Kenya for use throughout the emerging markets. In 2010, Eric founded the iHub. You know, I wasn't the best person to do it, um, and I wasn't the only person to do it. There was a whole community of us who came together to build this. Um, maybe I, what, what I did was I was willing to do it. And that's often the difference between people who build things and people who don't, is that you're not better than anybody else at doing this, but you're willing to do it. And, and really, if you think about the iHub, its, it's superpower was connecting people. The iHub was Nairobi's innovation hub for the technology community, bringing together entrepreneurs, hackers, designers, and the investment community. I don't always talk about my background with people, but my, uh, I grew up in Sudan and Kenya. My parents were linguists, uh, but missionary linguists, so they were doing a, a Bible translation. What that means is they were, they were creating an alphabet, teaching people how to read and write in their own language because they, they had never had their own written language. Um, so I think what that did was it colored my world to say that if you're going to do something with your time, do something that is meaningful and that has an outsized impact in the world. Um, it can take 15 to 20 years to do that linguistic translation. Uh, so, you know, time shouldn't be the limiting factor on what you decide to do, nor should uh, scope a problem. 
And um, so when I look at the things I do, I think try and do things that make a big impact for a lot of people um, and also try and do things that are um, have long-term benefits. I had gone to the U.S. for university and was living there, working there for a little while. And um, I, it's really easy. And it's really boring. And for somebody who grew up in East Africa, living that plain vanilla life is not, not that interesting. You can build really cool stuff. You can make a lot of money. That's fine. But you can also do the same thing of building really cool stuff and making a lot of money and doing it in a place where it has a real impact on people's lives and um, is more, much more interesting. So I, I'm, also, I'm also a storyteller. So I started with blogging um, in 2004 or five. I can't remember. It's a long time ago now. And um, it, was, it was just writing about the tech stuff that was happening in Africa while I still lived in the U.S. And um, nobody was really telling those stories at that point. And so that was just a kind of a, it was really just a hobby. I was trying to figure out what, the, what this was, blogging and everything, and I was just writing some stuff. And um, I, I kept finding that there was more and more interesting things happening, and there was more stories that needed to be told and more. So I kept writing more, and then I would just call up the different entrepreneurs. I would talk to the different um, people who are building things and just say, you know, just you know, tell me what's going on, right? Um, you know, I think the, the major catalyst to shift, you know, from, like, I already wanted to uh, move back to Kenya to build something, but I was still in the States, and then the post-election violence in Kenya happened. And it was during that first week of that post-election violence that we built a software uh, product called Ushahidi. Ushahidi's um, really just a, a, if you think about it, just a software. It's a very simple piece of software that allows anybody to send a text message in about what's going on in their area. And we put it on a map and say, this is what's happening here. Uh, the reason why that's interesting is that in a crisis, uh, most of the time what you're getting is information from people in power positions, so government, NGOs, even the media, uh, and they're telling a very specific story, but you're not getting the story from people on the ground about what's actually happening. And so this, what, what, we, did, what we kind of fell into and didn't realize it was that we were, we were changing the way the information flowed during a disaster or during a crisis. And it was needed, and it disrupted whole industries. Uh, and we didn't realize we had done that. And it was open source. Anybody could use it. We built this thing out and just started exploding across the world being used. Um, and so, you know, I think that that might have been the biggest catalyst to say, okay, let's go ahead and switch things up now. It's really easy to do consulting or do some, do some building of things that are working in Africa, but let's go ahead and build now our own thing um, and if you look at the timeline on things, you know that, you know, two years later, because of Ushahidi, all these other doors opened. We built the iHub. So the iHub is a space that we built in 2010. And the idea was, you know, there's, there's a lot of us who meet up, but we only meet up once or twice a year. 
um, wouldn't it be cool if we had a place of our own? That was the seed that became the iHub, which was like, hey, let's just create a place. And it's really just like a community commons, if you will, for all the tech people to come hang out. So we designed a cool space. We had a little coffee bar in there. We had really fast internet, especially, which was a big thing for the time. And, um, and then we just talked to our community and, you know, the people from the community made up the, the board, uh, people from the community came in and started to build out the network and bring books for other people to learn how to do programming. And, and just was, it just kind of created its own energy and it just grew and grew and grew from there. We had, you know, a supercomputer cluster built out. We built out a research team. We built out, uh, the UX lab, uh, you know, and it just kind of kept steamrolling. From there, we built out the uh, Gearbox, which is the rapid prototyping lab for hardware. Uh, and all these things just kept spinning up more and more things, and people would just spin out of them too, which would then create more opportunity for more people across the city and across the country. Um, and then when people came to us and said, hey, can you do that in... Like I still remember the World Bank coming to us in like 2011 and saying, what you built here is really amazing. Can you, can you do this in 12 other countries in Africa for us if we give you the money? And I said, not at all. It won't happen. We can do it here because we're from here. This is our home. This is our community. Um, but I tell you what, we can give you the template so that anybody else can do it anywhere else they want. Like we'll, shell, we'll tell people what, what we've learned not to do because that's really what experience is, right? Um, and then we'll, we'll like... Uh, open it up so people would come in from you know down from Zambia from Mozambique from Nigeria from wherever and say and just look at it and then they go back and they would build their own technically what is it it's an empty room with desk and chairs some cool pictures and paint on the wall coffee available to you and a fast internet connection there's nothing special about that. Community is what makes it special. Bringing people together, finding common ground, learning how to do things together, being in, in a very, so East Africa is a low trust society. So if you, if you bring people together, getting them to open up and share their ideas so that other people can hear them, that means that there's, you gotta have, there's some danger of somebody taking an idea and running with it. So you have to get to a place where everybody understands actually execution on an idea. That's the most important. Sure, you know, keep some things close to your chest, but really you can open up about a lot of things. And when you open up a lot about, about a lot of things, what happens is the whole community gets to percolate on things together and a lot more happens. People find each other and you get this kind of like Petri dish of, of fantastic ideas and bad ideas. And everybody's trying things, and the things that fail hopefully fail quickly. Uh, and the things that are going well hopefully find investment and, and grow. And um, so I think that's really what the catalytic effect of, of well-sculpted uh, communities is. Later on in our talk, we asked Eric, would you call yourself a social entrepreneur? Almost every business here has a social impact and a positive one. Not all, right, but most. And so it was a very confusing term for me to hear, social, you know, social impact, social uh, entrepreneur. You know, in, in, in Kenya, and in most, of, most of East Africa at least, we're very communal. And so if you do something that is good, it, by, its, 
by by our kind of society's nature, those around you will benefit too. Like it it does flow outwards, and so there's there's more there's more good things that happen, and so I think I think that's what actually gave me the most confusion in the beginning. I was like, well, how you know building Ushahidi or building the iHub or you know building Brick or building whatever. It's like all of these things are are just businesses or just new software platforms or things like that. What's social impact about that? How is that any different than somebody who builds a uh, you know you know builds a, a a processing plant for avocados in central Kenya that allows all the other farmers then to be able to make more money because they don't have to go as far with their produce. That's that's also socially impactful. It wasn't built to be a social company. It was built to be a profitable company. And yet it has a social impact. This is exactly what Thomas Pullmans, the CEO of Hydrobox, says about doing business in Kenya. It's about solving a problem, society problem. And I think maybe the, the difference could be that if you look at it from a, um, a European or uh, American perspective, that a lot of the so-called problems that are being solved by companies nowadays are actually very remote from actual problems. And so maybe that's where the confusion comes in from, that what is considered social impact for us is just, you know, it's helping society moving forward. It's helping to solve a societal problem. And and that's the way, you know, that any business actually, uh, if you think of it, should should be motivated by it's you know how do we make this world a better place without wanting to sound, sound over idealistic but ultimately that's what it's about right to contribute in a meaningful way to society that is where eric and thomas come together tukopa moja it's swahili for we are together and i think that's really indeed the common link of of the work that we're doing It's it's been actually for me it's been a perfect storm over the past you know year and a half two years getting to know Thomas and what they do because I feel like there's so much that um, is shared on the idea for why this is, exists once you have the once you once you understand and agree on the why doing the thing becomes a lot easier because then you can just go out and say okay well listen you're good at that thing go ahead and do that we're good at this thing we'll do this thing and you can build a, a trusting relationship that allows you to, to move faster and hopefully further too. Eric and Thomas met two years ago and today they are on a journey together. Eric co-founded a company called Gridless. Gridless uses the excess energy that Hydrobox has produced locally to power Bitcoin mining machines. As a result, this lowers the cost of electricity for the community. What is interesting about you know, the collaboration with uh, Eric and, and, and his new company, uh, Gridless, is that it allows us, Hydrobox, to go to any region that we would normally write off and say, you know, there's not enough demand here. And we can now we can actually go there because we will know they will take 50 or 60% of the power. And for them, the location doesn't matter. So if we do an assessment of an, an area, we say, you know, we'd love to do it. There's a lot of impact potential, but the economics don't work. Well, thanks to this collaboration, now we, we can still do it. This podcast series is called Tukopa Moja. We are together. It is a story of people coming together. 
and with Eric and Thomas partnering up, the story keeps evolving. If you're going to live your life and you're able to build things that, that can really positively impact people in the world, you should. Not everybody has that ability. Not everybody has the network. Not everybody has the, uh, you know, the luck to be at the right place at the right time, right? And so, you know, I have that, and I have the ability to bridge these things. So, therefore, my goal is to build things that have an outsized effect in in my part of the world. So, this is an interesting one. Why is it interesting? Because there's nothing in modern society, you cannot have a 21st century economy without two things. Starts with power, and then the next one's connectivity. Everything else is a, is a building block on top of that. So for the past decade, I've worked on connectivity. We figured out the business model to get ordinary people connected to the internet using their time, not their money. That's brick. That's moja. With Gridless, what we're doing with, with Hydrobox is saying, no, we don't have to go and work with the big power distributors like KPLC or the power producers like Kenjin. We can go into small communities that nobody's paying attention to with a partner who really understands how to build energy and make that a viable business model so that they don't have to think as much about the timeline between installation and profitability. And if we can change that in the business model, then that model can be used everywhere in the world. And we don't have a monopoly on that. We just are going to operate and execute as best we can against the projects we have access to. We are together. Tuko pamoja. Well, and, and you know, I think it's very common in places like Kenya for people to want to come together to do things like that's it's a it's a normal thing in in Kenyan society for people to want to come together to solve a problem or do something um and so it's tapping into that that built in that's what's already built into our society and turning it towards a business or a company value that that actually really resonates I actually think it's more people want to do good than than don't want to. I actually believe that you know I don't know what the I don't know what the percentage is, but I would say like 80, 90 percent of the world actually want to do good things. There's always the other. There's some people who are very selfish, right? Granted, but you know people given a chance and given the you know given the basics of their life, they don't have to be out there running around doing crazy. They actually are, would opt to do the right thing. Would opt to do good things. Um, it's just trying to create a, an atmosphere that, that that works in. And sometimes it's just hard to do that at scale. But changing the, changing the world happens one step at a time, and not by some grand ambition or dream. It's just what can I do here and now that will make a positive difference. And if you get into that kind of mindset automatically, then you know great things happen and and then ultimately you're contributing to that bigger vision to that bigger dream there's a there's a thing i often think about which is about generosity and if you if you work off like a, a generosity model it always pays itself back you never know how it's going to pay itself back but it all, i can't think of a single time it doesn't right it it almost we just say it almost always does so if you can spread a model of generosity um, and that's 
it's something that goes beyond the work life. It's a, it's a, it's in your everyday family life. It's in your interactions with with every everybody you come in in contact with. But if you can create a a, a, a model where generosity is the norm, um, I think that changes a lot. Uh, because that trickles across and you can model that to other people. And then when you model that to other people, they start doing it. And truth is, everybody benefits. You know, building those kind of ecosystems isn't easy. And trying to model it all the time is hard. But if you can do your own little part, it actually, it does make a little dent. The music in this podcast series is produced and made by Tito Monaco, a local artist. You can find him on Spotify. <laughs>